You're listening to the Scottsdale Podcast, which features our Sunday sermons. If you would like to learn more about what God is doing in the life of Scottsdale Baptist Church, visit our website at scottsdale.org. Enjoy and be challenged by the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Welcome to Scott's Hill. If you're new here, we want to welcome you. My name is Phil Lordigo. I serve as a senior pastor, and we're so glad that you're able to join us today. Those of you watching us online from wherever you are, thank you for joining us, inviting us into your home. We want to invite you here to join with us. So come. If you're out of state, come visit with us. we got a place we'll hook you up with. And on the beach, and somebody here, I'm sure, will volunteer one of their beach homes. No, I'm just kidding. But um, uh, just move in with them. So we'd love to have you come join us sometime. And um, for those of you, this weekend, we, we celebrated, of course, Veterans Day, which was on Friday, and a lot of people honored them, and this morning, I want to do the same. I want to take some time to honor all of those who have graciously given of their time to serve this country of ours through the sacrifice of their service and their time and their skills. So if you are a veteran and you have served in any capacity of our armed forces, would you stand this morning? All veterans, would you stand? Come on. Come on, don't be shy. And uh, yes, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your service. Well, we're living in a world today that is filled with imitations, aren't we? There are imitations for all kinds of things. And if, if you consider a lot of products that we have on the marketplace today, they're not the real thing. And they boldly tell you that. For example, the imitation of diamonds or zirconium, you know? And so where a diamond may be a girl's best friend, zirconium is a man's best friend. <laughs> and so you've got some imitations there. You, you, you've got imitation leather. It's not the real thing. It's imitation leather. You got imitation crab meat. How many of you have purposely bought imitation crab meat? You would want to buy that today because you can't afford the real thing anymore. But the imitation crab meat, I've eaten some of that. It's made in a plant, you know. Imitation burgers, come on. Imitation everything. Now, we live in a culture today where a lot of these products are boldly called imitation. In fact, what they want to do is authenticate these products by adding the word genuine in front of them. Genuine imitation leather. There you go. Genuine imitation crab meat, genuine imitation bacon, genuine imitation fruitcake. Well, that might be a real thing. So, but if we put the word genuine in it in front, we think, okay, so what are we really saying? We're really saying these things are genuinely fake. They're not the real thing. It is an oxymoron, an oxymoron, jumbo shrimp. An oxymoron. Government worker. An oxymoron. Free agent. And for those of you in the sports world, that's an oxymoron. Because they're not free. They come with a high price tag. And then we we can laugh about all of these invitations. But you know, what's sad is we see the same thing in the life of Christianity as well. There are a lot of invitation Christians. There are people who, who take the name of Christ. There are people who talk the, like it. They, they, they might dress like it. They might act like it, but there's been no internal transformation of their heart. And so what do they do? They have a form of godliness, but no power within. 
And there are many people in our culture and in our churches that are imitation Christians. And then there are also imitation teachings and imitation teachers. There are a lot of people who seem to teach things that sound right and they sound good, but at the end of the day, there's something missing. There's something that's not right. There's something that you can't quite put your finger on, but it doesn't seem to set with the rest of Scripture. Or there's something about their lifestyle and their teaching that doesn't quite match up. And there are imitations in the church and around the church. Now, we're living in a culture today where we have access to more than any other time in the history of Christendom. We have more access to uh, resources for the Christian living than ever before. You can go to Amazon, you can go to any place, and you can buy a multiplicity of books about Christian living, talking about all kinds of different topics. You can go and listen, if you wanted to, to all kinds of different preachers and all of the different messages they have. You can go on YouTube, you can go to TikTok, you can go to Instagram, you can go to a podcast, you can go to Sirius Radio. There is no shortage out there of teachers proclaiming topics from every imaginable position that is there. And we are living in a time where I believe we are more exposed to the possibility of false teaching and false doctrine than probably ever before. And we must be discerning when we listen to, now let me say something. There's nothing wrong with reading books. I do. There's nothing wrong with listening to podcasts. There's nothing wrong with listening to teachers. But we have to listen with discerning ears because the world is filled with imitators. The Apostle Paul knew this. And the Apostle Paul writing to the church um, in Ephesus where Timothy is the pastor, and he writes to him and warns him about false teachers. So much so that he did it three times in this letter. Now, as we're continuing in our study of 1 Timothy, we're coming to chapter six, verses three through five. And in this passage, he once again warns Timothy of false teachers. He does it in chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. He does it in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And he does it again in chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. Now, you have to ask the question, why does he warn Timothy three times about false teachers? And the reason is because they so subtly enter the church. And it is going to be ultimately a reality that every church will have to encounter false teachers or false teaching. And in the culture that we're living in today, some of the false teachers are on the platform and they're discipling entire generations into false doctrine. But in most churches, even such as ours, the false teaching will not really come from this platform. It may come from back doors. It may come from the side doors. It may come from members who are listening to teaching, who unwittingly bring in false doctrine and speak in small circles, speak, speak one-on-one, and maybe speak things that are not actually correct with Scripture. And as a result, that false teaching can spread to the life of the church like an infectious disease. And so Timothy's warning the body for the third time, be careful of false teachers. So here's what I want to do today. 
We're just going to take verses 3, 4, and 5. And we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul says to us about false teachers and false teaching. What he will do in these passages is going to give us three things. Actually, two things, and I'm going to conclude with one. He's going to talk to us about the characteristics of false teachers. How do you spot a false teacher? Or the characteristics of false teaching. And then secondly, he's going to give us the consequences of such false teaching. And then I'm going to give you three warnings for this body as we continue to move forward in the truth of God's word and how that impacts our life. So beginning in chapter 6, verse 3, reading to verse 5, here is what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, in this passage, he lays out some characteristics of false teachers. And here's what I want to do today. I want to just point out these characteristics and then I'm going to give you some illustrations of those. And then we're going to look at how we apply all of this in our life. Because here's the thing. Not only must we be protected from ourselves buying into false doctrine, but we must protect the body itself from slipping and coasting into those areas that may lead us away from the truth. So let's pray. Join with me and pray very briefly. Father, thank you for your word. I ask that your Holy Spirit would anoint me, speak through me. Father, the things that I've studied this week, would you allow me to speak those things that you desire for your people to hear today? And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So there are five marks that he gives to us of false teachers. Here's the first one. I mean, he lays them out very clearly. He says they're contrary to the teaching of Scripture. False teachers are those who deviate from the truth of God's word, and he puts it this way. He says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. Now, he begins with, if anyone. He's not just talking about teachers here. He's not talking about those who are on the platform or maybe those who have a prominent position in the life of the church. He is including them, but he's going beyond that. He says, anyone, if anyone in the church is involved in maybe propagating a false doctrine or is in the business of trying to dissuade people from the truth and wanting them to believe something that they have come to understand, then he says that they are teaching a different doctrine. The word different doctrine does not refer just to opinions. It doesn't just refer to convictions that we might differ in some areas of scripture. The word different doctrine in the Greek gives us the English word heresy. It is something that is contrary to orthodoxy and orthopraxy of scripture. It is something that's contrary to the teaching of sound biblical doctrine. And that's what he's talking about. It's an individual who's drifting away from the known doctrine and the truth of God's word. Now, what is doctrine? Doctrine is just simply the teaching about God and the Bible and other topics coming from the totality of Scripture. 
Let me give you some basic doctrines that we focus on and that are centered to the Christian life. Number one is the doctrine of the word of God, the doctrine of the character of God, the doctrine of man, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of redemption, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, the doctrine of the church, and the doctrine of future events. Those are the major doctrines that we find in the word of God. A false teacher is somebody that'll come along and kind of change those doctrines and make them so subtle. For instance, they might take the doctrine of the word of God and tell you, do you really believe that God's word is inspired and inerrant? Well, what about this passage over here? What about the contradiction that's over here? What about this over here? Well, listen, I believe that the Bible contains the word of God but it isn't the word of God. So we must pick and choose what is the word of God. There is a doctrinal heresy that is being formed by that kind of thought. Or maybe they might question the doctrine of man. You know, man really isn't bad. He's inherently good. And that is opposed to what Jeremiah 17, 9 says, that the heart is deceitful above all things and incurably thick who can know it. Or maybe they question the doctrine of Christ. Do you really believe in the virgin birth? Do you really believe that he rose from the dead? Is the resurrection really necessary for us to live a productive Christian life? Or maybe they might question the doctrine of his perfection. Is Jesus really sinless? Or they might question the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And they might get that wrong. Or the doctrine of the church. Or the doctrine of the second coming of Christ. And you see what I'm saying is this. There are subtle ways that they get in and they drift away. And rather than submitting themselves to the truth of God's word in everything, they begin to teach what they believe by using the Bible instead of teaching the Bible. Those are two different things. Let me just give you a real life illustration. Many years ago, I was watching on television a preacher from Atlanta. And probably most of you would not know who this individual is. But as he was preaching to his people, he took the passage where it says Jesus grew in the stature and the wisdom and the favor of both man and God. And he's teaching this to his congregation. Then he says this. He says, you see, this passage proves that Jesus grew into perfection. Now, let's just think about that for a moment logically. If something is imperfect, it can never be perfect because it's always flawed by imperfection. And if something is perfect, it can never be more perfect because it is already perfect and cannot be flawed by imperfection. And so to say that Jesus grew into perfection is to imply that Jesus was not perfect at birth, but he grew into this perfection, a subtle heresy. And then what happens? Why did he bring that point? Here was his whole point. If Jesus is imperfect and he grew to perfection, you are imperfect, you can grow to perfection and reach a place of sinless perfection. It's heresy. Now, here's what the amazing thing was. The camera panned on his people. And as the camera panned on his people, people are going. They didn't even buy it. They were confused. Why? Maybe he was right right here on the doctrine. He was right on this doctrine. He's right on this doctrine. But he is leading them astray. And even in the midst of that subtlety, there is a deviation from the truth. 
And you can always tell false teachers because they're never satisfied with just what the word of God says. They're always wanting to move it, put a new twist on it. And the thing is, they don't submit to the truth of God's word. Let me tell you, the mark of a faithful teacher is someone who submits themselves under the authority of the word of God and seek to live their lives in godliness according to what God's word says, even if they don't understand it or they don't like it. Mark Twain was asked one time, He said, what do you do with the parts of the Bible you don't understand? He said, it's not those parts that I have a problem with. It's the parts that I do know and I don't want to do it. So what are they? They're a contrary to biblical truth. Here's the second mark of a person who is a false teacher. They're conceited. They're conceited. Now, now Paul, I love, I love Paul. He does not mix words. He goes right to the part and tells the truth. He says this. He's puffed up with conceit and he understands nothing. Now, the word puffed up is an interesting word because it actually means he's got a big head that's empty. That's what Paul is saying. He's got a big head and a big mouth And it's empty. Why? Because it's all about himself. I love the way Phillips puts this in a contemporary paraphrase. He says, if anyone tries to teach some doctrinal novelty, which is not compatible with sound biblical teaching, then he is a conceited idiot. That's not necessarily politically correct in our day, but I like it. I think it's good. I think it's right. It is a person, as one other person says, a pompous ignoramus. This is a person that is all about himself or herself. It's a person that likes to hear themselves talk, but they don't really know what they're talking about. But they can do it with such confidence, with such certainty, that when they talk, you're thinking, man, that sounds good. Do you know anybody like that? Don't look at the person next to you. That might require some biblical counseling after this message. But the reality is we know people like that and they're conceited. It's all about themselves. And here's the thing. They're not so interested in pointing people to Jesus as they are attracting people to themselves. They're more concerned about the likes on social media. They're more concerned about the emails that they would get. They're more concerned about the applause and the noise that people make about them than they are concerned about the glory of Christ. And one of the things we have to be careful with It is never, ever about us. But false teachers are conceited because they think every single thing goes back to themselves. In fact, no matter what they do, their shadow has to overshadow everything they talk about. I don't know if you've ever seen the Sistine Chapel. I don't know if you've ever been, anybody ever been to the Sistine Chapel? I hope that next year I get the opportunity to go. But the Sistine Chapel is a beautiful work of art. Michelangelo painted a lot of the, of the ceiling that's on the Sistine Chapel. When you go there, I, I've been looking at pictures of it. It's gorgeous, it's beautiful. Do you know how he painted that? He created this elaborate system of scaffolding. And because he's painting upright, he wasn't standing up to paint. He actually lifted the scaffold in such a height that he laid on his back and he painted all of the ceiling. Now, here was the problem that he kept running into. His shadow kept overshadowing the work that he was doing. And he could not see, as he was painting, for instance, the face of Christ, 
He couldn't see the details that he wanted because his own shadow was casting on it. So we, what he did was, what they did in that day was their technology. He took a candle, he put it on his forehead, strapped it on, and painted so that all he could see was the light of the work that he was working on. You see, a true teacher, a faithful teacher, is one who doesn't want his own shadow on any of the work of Christ. A true teacher is one who wants to be clearly seen the face of Jesus, the glory of Christ, to see him in all of his beauty and his glory. And anything that we might have, any talent that we might have, is only by the grace of God who has been given to us. And so a true teacher is one that never wants to take the, the applause for himself. Now, now, I have to say that, that we are challenged by this because every one of us loves applause. Every one of us loves the noise of the crowd. I mean, I, I, I'm a human being. My, my pride can get in the way as well. One day I was driving home from after church after a time I felt particularly good about the message that I preached. And my wife was with me. We were going to get something. And I looked over at her and I said, babe, I said, how many really good preachers do you think there are in Wilmington? <laughs> Don't ever ask your wife questions like that, man. She looked at me, she said, I don't know, but probably one less than you're thinking about. <laughs> I love my wife. She just puts me in my place. But the reality is this. The message can never be about us. It's got to be about Jesus. You know what you heard about all morning through all the music we sang? Jesus. It's about him. It's about his glory. It's about what he can do and what he desires to do in our lives and the mess and the brokenness. Last week, I had some people come up to me and, and, and wanted to praise me and heap praise onto me because of a message that I preached. And I was so uncomfortable with that. I'm not, I'm not trying, trying to, to speak about myself here and throw my own shadow on this, but here's what, it made me so uncomfortable because it's not about me. It's always about Jesus. And, 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 and the true servant of God only wants to hear the applause from one well done good and faithful servant and I don't know what ministry you're in and what you do and who you're teaching it's not about you it's about him it's about him and everything you do is to cast the light of the glory of Christ in such a way that people never see you they see Jesus so, false teachers, they're contrary to the truth of God's word. False teachers are full of conceit because it's about them. But thirdly, Paul says they are controversial. False teachers are controversial. Now, I want you to notice particularly how he says it. He puts it this way, that a false teacher has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words an unhealthy craving for controversy. Now, many people are controversial in a good way. They don't mean to be controversial, but just simply because what they stand for, they are a controversy in our culture. The church today that stands for righteousness and holiness and purity in the culture that we live in is going to be controversial. Let me tell you, if you hold a biblical worldview, 
and you believe that God is the creator of all life, he is the intelligent designer, you will be controversial in a world that holds evolution as absolutely scientific proof. You will be controversial. If you want to walk in holiness and purity and save yourself for marriage, you will be controversial. If you believe in the sanctity of marriage as between one man, one woman for life, you will be controversial. If you believe there are only two genders, you are controversial. If you believe a man cannot have a kid and you believe that a woman can be defined, you are controversial in some good ways. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul's not talking about the good kind of controversial situations that we encounter. He's talking about those who have unhealthy cravings to stir up people. They love to get people in debates. They love to get people in a situation where they argue. They love to throw in these focuses of words that may not have a whole lot to do with eternity, but just to trip people up and stumble and get them to argue about things that are not the main things. And Paul's always about the plain things being the main things and the main things being the plain things. But false teachers, oh, they love to get in. Let me give you a few of them. A false teacher might love to get into debate of creationism versus evolutionism. There are people who would say, definitely, I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything in it. Now, there are a couple of schools of thought on that. There's some who believe in a young earth and some who believe in an older earth. I happen to believe in a young earth. I believe that the earth was created in seven days. I believe my God, who can do whatever he wishes, that with God, nothing is impossible. Why do we ever think that it would be impossible for God to create anything in seven days? He created everything from nothing. And can God create with the appearance of age? He absolutely does. Let me ask you this question. How old was Adam when God created Adam? Was he 25? Was he 30? Nope, he was one day old. The appearance of age. And so that destroys a lot of arguments. But there'll be some people who say, no, no, no. Wait a minute. Let's throw in some other things here. Let's think about this. Can God create through evolution, this theistic evolution? Let's start talking about theistic evolution. Let's, what, about, what about progressive creationism that takes place as God just puts it over billions and billions of years? And then what happens is they get in all these debates and cause people to be confused because they love to disturb controversy. Here's another one. Which version of the Bible do you read? Well, if you don't read the King James, you've got a satanic Bible. Well, well, if you read the NIV, the nearly inspired version, then you're off base. (laughs) And what happens is we get into arguments about translations and we get so sidetracked that people become confused. Or we could talk about all of these other little arguments when is Jesus coming back? What position do you hold? Are you a premillennial? Are you a postmillennial? A millennial? Or if you're that, you cannot be a believer of God. And then churches become to be divided and false teachers love to see that. Why? Because they're, they're, they're partners of the enemy who wants to divide the church. They may not even be teachers in official position, but they may be members who unwittingly are being used by the enemy to stir up controversy because they love to debate. But here's the problem. They never come to the issues of real life. They're controversial. 
over the years of my ministry here and other places, I have encountered such people. And we're going to look at the consequences of that in a moment. But here's the fourth thing they are. Paul says they're corrupt. They're corrupt. Again, Paul doesn't care what you really think about him. He's writing scripture. And as he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he calls it what it is. He says they're depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Here's what they don't understand the truth. They're depraved in their thinking, but they're also deprived of the truth of God. And what they end up doing is they often end up leading people astray because they themselves do not know the truth. Here's one thing that that we need to understand. They may be acquainted with truth, but they've never been arrested by the truth. There's a world of difference. You can be acquainted with truth, but your life never be fully impacted by the truth. These are people who have a modicum of knowledge about the truth, but there's been no transformation in their life. Let me give you an illustration. My undergraduate degree is in industrial management technology. You're impressed, aren't you? It really wasn't much to it at all. But my my undergraduate degree is industrial management technology. I had to take a bunch of classes, and one of the classes I took was physics. And when I was in physics class, I don't remember a whole lot of things, but this one thing I remember. I remember the coefficient of thermal expansion. Now, I can talk to you about the coefficient of thermal expansion. I know a little bit about it. I know that the formula is important because it keeps concrete from splitting when there's high humidity and high heat. And with the coefficient of thermal expansion, you've got to know where to put your joints and how many joints to put in. Now, I can talk to you about that, but if you begin pressing me on the formula and you begin asking me how many joints should go in your driveway, I will not be able to ha- help you with your cracked driveway. I can't. I have a certain knowledge. I'm acquainted with it, but I've not been arrested by it. Let me tell you what false teachers do. They have an acquaintance of the truth of God's word, but it's never impacted their life. They've never been changed by it. Oh, they can speak eloquently. They can talk powerfully. They can use anecdotes and stories and poems and jokes and make you laugh, but there's been no change in their heart. And when they walk away, you feel like you've just been at a show because they've not been able to tell you and you've not been able to see in their life a clear transformation. They remind me of the people of Hebrews chapter six, if you look at it. These are people who've been energized or enlightened, but never energized. They're the people who have tasted but have never been transformed. They're the people who have been present when the Holy Spirit worked, but they've never been partners of the Holy Spirit. These are people who have had a brush with the Son of God but have never been born again by the Son of God. And there's a difference, and you can see it in their life by the way they live. All right, so they're contrary to the truth. They're conceited. They, they are corrupt, but here's the fifth thing. They commercialize the gospel. Now, this one we see all around us. They commercialize the gospel. Listen to what Paul says. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. They begin to imagine, you know what? I can make a good living off of this thing called Christianity. 
I can make a good living off of preaching the gospel. You know what? I'm going to charge and I'm going to commercialize the message of Christ and I can get ahead. These are people who are wanting to do things for the benefits of themselves. Now, I love what he writes to Titus, who's a young pastor in Crete, who's a contemporary of Timothy at the same time. He says they must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Not only are they teaching false things, but they're selling those false things for profit. Now, we can look around our culture today and we can see that a lot of that happens, don't we? I mean, we can see that on television. We can hear that. And we we have watched the shows. We've seen the people who are teaching false doctrine and then they call people to send in money as seed money. Or, or, or if you send in this money right now, then what you can get is you can get this rag that I bought from Walmart, but I've anointed it with some water and you can be healed. Or if you come to my conference for $99.99, then what you can do is you can experience all the stuff that I'm teaching you. And all of it, all of it is fake. It's for the purpose of financial gain. And we see it all over the place. Now, I want you to know, I hope, I, hope you, I hope you are pleased as I am right now that I have restrained myself without naming names. I'm pretty pleased with myself that I haven't given you a bunch of names. But all you have to do is watch and hear. And many of you, you've got thoughts in your mind already. And and let me say, this is a dangerous thing even for pastors who do want to be faithful teachers. Several years ago, we we, we had a a group called Truth who came here to sing. And some of you may remember this, but one of the young men singing in Truth has a dad who is a very famous pastor in the United States. And so he was here. And so I thought, you know, it'd be a great thing if his dad would come here And the two of them would hook up, they would sing, and then he would preach for 25 minutes. And it's Father's Day weekend. He would probably love to see his son, and I bet he would do it. So we called his booking agent. And his booking agent said, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's get him there. He said, let's talk about the fee. I said, well, well, what's the fee? He said, well, first of all, it would be $10,000 for him to come to speak for 25 minutes. You have to fly him first class. He'll have to stay in a five-star hotel and he needs to be here for a week so he and his family can enjoy the beach at your expense. I was stunned. Now, I respect this guy. Still respect him today. He's a great preacher. And I suspect that he has no idea what his booking agent told me. So I just was silent. I said, really? He said, oh yeah, that's the going rate. I said, well, I think we'd just be, I was joking with him. I said, I think we'll just be better off playing a video. Oh, if you're going to play a video in front of a crowd like that, we charge you a fee. (laughs) I was like, really? And let me tell you what that reminded me of. I made a commitment in my ministry a long time ago that I will not charge for anything. I don't charge to do weddings. I don't charge to do funerals. I don't charge to do speaking engagements. First of all, nobody invites me, so I don't have a... (laughs) don't have any means. I don't charge to do counseling. I don't charge to do anything. Why? Here's why. I never want to put myself in a position where I have to question whether or not 
my motives are pure. Am I preaching the gospel for the sake of Christ or am I preaching the gospel for the sake of gain? And I know my own heart. And so I put myself in that situation where I will never do that. Now, I just want you to know, I will, people give me honorariums and I'm glad to take those. People give me love offerings and sometimes they love me a lot, sometimes they don't love me at all. <laughs> but that's okay because God's called me to be his servant. But here's my question. The people who preach the prosperity gospel, all about gain, and the people who preach the prosperity gospel are all about getting from the people who listen to them the gain for their own success. And they live in mansions that the people who listen to them can never live in. They drive cars that the people who give to them don't drive. They, they, they have no sacrifices in their life. And my question is, what happened to a gospel where there's dying? What happened to a gospel where there's humility? What happened to a gospel that if my Savior suffers, why do I not have to suffer? If my Savior is selfless and giving of himself, why am I so full of myself? And the gospel calls us to a place of recognizing that we're just simply slaves of Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors of his. Our goal is simply to be faithful to him with the truth of the word of God and to walk in a way of authenticity and purity as best as I can and to deal with the issues of pride and put them to death as they rise. False teachers are never concerned about those things. What do they bring about? Here are the consequences. I'm not going to take long. I'm just going to mention them. They're in the scripture. The consequences from false teachers. First, there's envy. There's envy. They're envious. They're jealous. They always want to be on the top. And they're always looking at other people and seeing how can I outdo them. There's a competitive edge to that. It's filled with dissension. There's division in the life of the church or in their, their small groups and they create division in the body which only leads to slander where people talk bad about each other, untruthful things. Then there becomes evil suspicion where everything is looked at through a jaundiced eye and everything is yellow and questionable. And then finally, there's constant friction. I have to say this. I've been to pastor conference where that has been the reality. Where a slate of people were on the stage and they were all well-known superstars in Christianity and in the pastors that are out there are living with all of these feelings because they want to be at that level. And it's a dangerous thing for us to be in. And so these are the things that they always bring. You can mark it down. Years ago, we had a young man in the life of our church who was gifted, was incredibly wise, um, was a great communicator and very popular he rose to a place where he was leading a very prominent ministry in our church in teaching. But then we discovered some things about his life and his teaching that were, not con that were, that were contrary to the teaching of Scripture. And we confronted him on this and we removed him from that position. He got so mad he left the church. He went to another church where he began to rise in the same way. And then that pastor there began to see, hey, th th there's a problem here. 
He called me and we met for lunch. He said, first of all, Phil, let me tell you, he's talking really bad about you and the leadership of Scotts Hill. And he's been telling me how shallow you are as a teacher and the ministries there are shallow and they're just so self-absorbed and that he's the only one that's wanting to teach the truth. And because of that, y'all removed him. And I said, what do you see? He said, I see the opposite. And when he told me what he saw, I said, that's exactly the same thing. They confronted him. They removed him. He got so mad he left that church. Now he has a home church where he's drawing people to himself because he has no accountability and he can teach what he wants. And that's a dangerous thing. So what do we do as a body? Let me give you three warnings. This morning when I woke up, I only had two, but I... This added another one. <laughs> Just didn't feel like it was long enough, so no. How do we avoid? How do we avoid false teachers? How do we know whether or not they're false teachers? How do we keep ourselves from being sucked in to false teachers? Number one, know the word of God. I'm telling you right here, right here is the reason why so many people are duped by the falseness of false doctrine because they don't know the word of God. We've got to know the word of God. If all of your knowledge of the word of God is what comes from me on Sunday mornings, or maybe comes from a small group leader, then you are woefully deficient in the word of God. I cannot possibly teach you everything there is to know because I don't know it. And so what you must do is dig in, learn the word of God, study the word of God to where you understand the doctrines of God. I read a story some time ago of a little boy who wanted to be a jeweler and he went to an old jewel smith, whatever you call him, I don't know what you call him. He went to this old jeweler and he says, I want to learn about being a jeweler. He says, okay. He gives him a Jasper stone. He says, sit on that chair and I want you to look at that stone. For eight hours, that young man sit and he twisted the stone. He said, okay. He said, all right, come back tomorrow. He came back next day. He said, here's this Jasper stone. I want you to look at it. He said, well, what, how long? He said, just look at it all day. He looked at it. He said, I want you to notice the color. I want you to notice the cut. I want you to notice all the intricacies. He did that for a whole week, every single day for eight hours. He came back the next week and he sat down in a chair and the old man says, here, I want you to look at this Jasper stone. He says, what? I've done this for a whole week. Is this all there is? He says, young man, look at the Jasper stone. He looked down. He said, that's not Jasper. <laughs> that's right. Because here's the thing. If you spend all of your time looking at the counterfeit, you will never know the truth. But if you spend your time looking at the truth, you will immediately detect counterfeit. And we're the opposite in our culture. We need to know the word of God in such a way that we can detect what is being spoken. I'm not talking about areas where people have the rights to be able to interpret scripture because scripture gives us that freedom. I'm talking about contrary to doctrinal truth and not submitted to Jesus as Lord. Know the word. Secondly, confront false teachers or teaching with truth and grace. If you're in an area and somebody is talking about something that's not substantiated by scripture, with truth and grace, talk to them about that. It may be that they just are confused. It may be that they've heard some some cool things said that sounds and resonates. And I'm going to tell you, the TikTok videos, many of our generation today are getting their sermons in two minutes from TikTok or 30 seconds. 
And they're like, that sounds cool, but it's wrong. And when you hear that, step up in love and speak to them in truth and grace. Just be able to say, brother, sister, that sounds really good, but let me show you what God's word says and direct them to the truth. They may be confused, they may not know, or they may be a false teacher wanting to spread something and we speak truth. This is not an issue of judgment. It is an issue of love and protection for the body as we do that. And lastly, watch out for our own spiritual pride. Why do I say that? When the church gets to the place where they think they have all the truth, when a per- church thinks gets to the place where they think they're the only deep spiritually church in the community, when a church gets to a place where they believe all the other pulpits and all the other teachings are suspect, that church is in deep trouble. And we got to watch our own pride because we ourselves have our own weaknesses that we have to deal with. So how do we do all this? Very simply this. We have one bow on our string. We have one theme to the song. We have one name that we declare. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's his word. We submit ourselves to his word. We submit ourselves to glorifying Christ. We submit ourselves to pointing people to Jesus. It is not about our buildings. It is not about our baptisms. It's not about our budgets. It's not about the number of bodies that we can draw on this campus. For all of eternity, for the child of God, it will only be Jesus. So what does it have to be in our ministries? It's about Jesus. What is our children's ministry about? It's about Christ. What is our student ministry about? It's about Christ. What is our adult ministry about? It's about Christ. Who is the one person who will be sustained through all of eternity and will sustain his bride? It is Jesus. It's Jesus. And as we submit ourselves to the teaching of his word, and as we submit ourselves to his glory, and it never ever being about me, but it's about him, then we as a body of Christ will be on the right track. And we will keep the main things, the plain things, and the plain things, the main things for his glory. So the warning to us as a church is we must know the truth. We must confront false teaching and we must guard our hearts about spiritual pride, but walk in humility for the sake of Jesus. Now, if you're, not, if you're here today and you're not a believer, if you're watching and you never trusted Christ, let me just say to you, everything you've heard today proclaimed through music and scripture and everything is about Jesus. And he desires to be the Lord of your life. His desire for you today is that you would consider his claims and that you would submit yourself to him and the authority of his word and let him change your life and give you a new life in Christ. I want to challenge you in these days of all the listening and hearing that we measure everything with the standard of the word of God and not ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and that it gives us wisdom, but Father, your word is a boundary of protection for us. And Father, we know that every one of us 
could so easily slip into good-sounding things that do not stand in support to the teaching of your word. And Father, may we walk in integrity in this, in godliness, for your sake and for your glory. Father, may we be committed to the truth of your word as individuals. May we be committed to protecting the integrity of your word in this church. And Father, may we be committed to guarding our own hearts about the selfish pride of our own lives and recognizing that anything we do have is only by your amazing grace and your goodness towards us in Christ Jesus. Father, as we continue to move forward in these days, I believe you are giving us these messages for this time because there is an onslaught, an attack against the bride from outside and within that we would stand firm in your word, submitted to Jesus and living a life that reflects godliness for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God uses this message in you to transform you more into the image of Christ. If you have any questions about our church or you want to learn more about Jesus, visit our website at scottshill.org slash next steps. Till next time.